What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today is a change of pace. Today is not a Q&A. Today, I decided to just freestyle an episode. I thought of something really cool I wanted to do right before the show, and that was give you guys my favorite go-to exercises in a couple ways. So number one, I wanted to cover my favorite training splits depending on your goal. So I'm going to cover the best training split to follow if your goal is muscle gain, if your goal is fat loss, if your goal is movement quality, if your goal is sports specific, or if your goal is strength and power. Then I'm going to get into my top, I think I named like five or six finishers. So some finishers to do for your legs, for your chest, for your shoulders, for your back, for everything you can think of. Um, My favorite ways to finish a workout when I'm feeling amped up and I want to do something to burn me out or I want to give something fun to my clients to make them get that finisher feeling at the very, very end. Show them that they still got some fuel in the tank. And then I go into my favorite lifts, uh, exercises and lifts per muscle group. So I literally go into the best exercises, in my opinion, for your traps, your rhomboids, your lats, your lower back, your glutes, your hamstrings, calves, quads, abs, chest, delts, rear delts, biceps, triceps, forearms, you name it. I named the exercise for it and I I cranked them all out. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode because it's different. It's different than usual and I literally listed at least 100 things in today's show that you could take away and instantly implement into your training. All right, so let's start off with my favorite splits. I think the going through my favorite training splits, depending on a goal, is probably going to be the, the quickest thing, the easiest thing to go through. So we'll start with that, and we'll crank that out. Um, and I think we're going to break this up into depending on your goal, right? So we obviously have muscle gain. We have fat loss. And then I'm going to throw in – I will throw in athleticism or just sports-specific, and then I'm going to throw in movement-based. So we're going to have all four of those categories. Actually, we'll go with five categories because we're going to do strength as well, strength and power. So – um, favorite training split. So let's start with muscle gain. My absolute favorite training split for building muscle. If building muscle is your number one goal or for a bodybuilder, um, physique athlete in general, who is on a cut, who is more concerned with maintaining lean muscle, because obviously, you know, when you do a cut, when you get to the bottom end of that cut, you have to make sure that you have maintained as much muscle as possible or you're not going to look the way you're supposed to look when you get down to that that show weight or that photo shoot or whatever it may be. Um, so my favorite split for these individuals um, for building muscle specifically though is going to be a five days a week split. Um, I am working on a project for this uh, to release to the public, so stay tuned on that. Um, but a five-day-a-week split is going to look like this. Monday and Tuesday are going to be your push – I'm sorry, your upper and lower days. So we're going to go upper body strength max effort and lower body max effort. So I'm actually going to take some west side conjugate style, um, a concurrent training system where they have max effort and dynamic effort. So when we look at these powerlifters from west side, they have a max effort and a dynamic effort for upper and lower Max effort days, obviously going to be lower rep, higher intensity slash load. You're going to be lifting heavier weights, more strength-based. And uh, the the dynamic effort days are more focused on speed, repetition, so on and so forth. Joe DeFranco tweaked things a little bit, and this is how I tweak things as well. And I made that dynamic day a repetition effort day. So instead of a dynamic day, it's a rep day. Basically, you're doing hypertrophy. So with a power lifter, you need to work on um, skill acquisition work. You need to work on skill-specific work. You need to work on power speed work. You do need to still work on some hypertrophy, but there's a lot that goes into a dynamic day. 
repetition every day is strictly uh, is going to be strictly rep based, strictly hypertrophy. We're staying in that eight to twenty five rep range, really, just trying to focus on building muscle. Um, so with this split, getting back to the point, the five day a week split, we're going to do a upper and lower day, Monday, Tuesday. Both are going to be max effort strength days. So we might start the lift with working to your three rep max in the bench press, and uh, then we go into like maybe a four by five barbell overhead press, supersetted with a weighted chin up for three to five reps. So we're going heavy. Um, we're hitting movement patterns in the upper body. We're not sticking to one muscle group. We're literally going to be hitting the shoulders, the chest, all of the back. We're going to hit a little bit of arms, but everything is going to be in that like the highest rep range we'll go on this day is eight reps. That's like the upper limit of strength training uh, before getting into strictly hypertrophy work. Um, now, there's arguments. There, there is no rep ranges because everything leads to hypertrophy as long as volume is equated, blah, blah, blah. True, but I would say not, not everything is strength work because if you're not in the right intensity zone, if you're not pushing loads past a certain percentage, you're actually not building pure strength and power. So because of that, we're going to keep all loads 75 to 90% on this day of our one rep max, and we're going to be pushing the rep. So we might start with a heavy bench, then go into a heavy overhead press, superset it with a heavy vertical pull. Then we're going to go into a uh, another horizontal press going upper uh, like six to eight reps. Maybe it's a heavy dumbbell flat bench press or a heavy dumbbell incline or a heavy dumbbell uh, floor press, depending on your goals, superset that. Actually, we won't superset that, but we will follow that with a heavy T-bar row, for example. So a horizontal row supersetted with some kind of upper back fatigue work, face pull, posterior fly, something like that um, in that 8 to 10 rep range. Um, and then we'll get into arm training, so hitting the biceps and triceps specifically, probably around 8, 10 reps max, but still going as heavy as possible on those muscles. Um, so now we have a full day focused on strength. And then the next day, we're going to do the exact same concept, but we're going to do legs. So maybe we start with a jump just to get our CNS going. Then we go into a heavy squat. Then we go into a heavier hip hinge, so whether that's an RDL or a hip thrust. Um, then we have some unilateral accessory work, probably hit the core a little bit. And then we'll probably finish, ideally, with a heavy sled work. But as you can see, these two days are max effort. These two days, you're going super hard, super heavy. You're trying to push the strength. You're trying to build as much strength and power as possible, not really focusing on getting a pump today. Wednesday, you're going to take a rest. Thursday is going to be a hypertrophy-focused push day. Right, Because this split is five days a week. We're going to be going upper, lower, rest, push, pull, legs, rest. So now we have Thursday, push, Friday, pull, Saturday, legs. And we're going to do high rep ranges on all this. So our compound lifts for these days might be uh, an inclined barbell bench press because we already did the overhead and the bench press. I like to change up the variation a little bit. The pull day might be a heavy pendulet row or just a regular bent row, some kind of heavy horizontal row. Maybe you want to do a T-bar. Totally up to you as long as you pick one and you stick with it for the next few weeks to track your metrics on it. And then the legs might be another squat variation because um, I don't like doing deadlifts in the high, high rep ranges too much. So maybe instead of doing the heavy squat on the first lower body day, maybe you do a uh, heavy deadlift on that day. Uh, but on this day, we're going to be going uh, – these three days, we're going push-pull legs. So the first day, we're doing a lot of chest, a lot of shoulders, and then finishing with triceps. And we're going to like escalate the rep ranges throughout it. So we're going to start in the 8 rep range, move towards the 10 to 12, then the 15 to 20, and then even 20-plus reps at the end on some arms and upper back maybe. On the pull day, same exact thing. We're going to go heavy on a horizontal and a vertical pull. Then we're going to do a lot of fatigue, lactic, lactic acid base sets towards the end metabolite training um, getting really high rep just annihilating annihilating your entire back so we're talking 
biceps, lats, traps, rhomboids, rear delts, everything up there. Um, and then the last day will be legs. Same thing. We're just hitting everything on our legs, starting with um, probably the quads for the higher rep squats, doing a hip thrust probably. That's a safer high rep hip hinge to do. Um, and then we might move into some calf work just to finish off, right? So this is going to be my go-to muscle building uh, program. Uh, the reason I like this five-day split for people who are purely trying to build muscle is a couple of reasons. Number one, you're going to get enough volume in. It's hard not to get enough volume in to grow. And when we're trying to grow, the I would say plus or minus two to four sets, uh, you are, you're going to want to hit 20 sets per week per muscle group. So if you're really trying to grow your chest – and you're prioritizing that, maybe you push that to 24 sets a week and then you back off on your back, which I don't usually recommend because I like more pulling than pushing. But for temporary focuses, sometimes that helps. You're trying to build up your traps or your lats. Give those muscle groups 24 sets. Lower the muscle uh, – the sets on your um, – chest and shoulders, for example, so you can give them a break while you increase volume. Because the thing is, is if you add 20 to 24 sets across the board on every single muscle group per week, your central nervous system will fatigue out um, for most people. If you're really advanced and you're monitoring your intensities and loads, then you can get away with it. But you got to be careful with not getting into your nervous system fatigue. Um, so with growing, like I said, I, I tend to go there. When we work out five days a week on this um, upper, lower, push, pull, leg split, it is very, very hard not to hit enough volume to see growth. Or it is not, it's hard not to maintain your muscle during a cut. If your protein is adequate and you're doing a push, pull, or upper, lower, push, pull legs, you're probably getting enough volume to maintain as much muscle as possible during that cut. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like it. And another reason is because frequency is going to be optimized. In a perfect world, we're hitting each muscle group twice. Some carryover muscles will hit Three times. If we look at a physique athlete, the best places to get three times a week frequency is probably going to be your shoulders and your lats. Why is this? Because it gives you that V-shaped look. So again, if we go back to building muscle and we want to create this X-frame or this V-taper look, we want to build our lats and shoulders. Well, when we bench press, we're getting shoulders, right? When we do most chest work, we are going to get a little bit of anterior delts. That's great. When we do some back work, we're actually going to get some rear delts. So you're actually getting your delts three to four times a week with your back. You're actually going to be stimulating your upper back when you squat and your lats when you deadlift, meaning we're going to be hitting our back on our leg days as well if we're smart about the functional movement patterns and exercises we choose. So because of that, your frequency is maxed out at two times a week for every single muscle group at least. But we might be hitting three and four times a week, just giving it a quick stimulus on those other days as a crossover muscle. So that's another reason. Frequency is up. Frequency is optimal. The third reason I like this is because when we want to optimize intensity, we don't want to stick in one intensity zone. So when I say intensity, I mean load. If we have a higher intensity, that means we're lifting heavier for lower reps typically. Your percentage of what your one rep max is going to be at a higher rate. That's going to lead to strength gains, which is great. And we need that for hypertrophy as well because if we build our strength, we can actually push more weight on those higher rep sets. It's great. What happens with a upper lower push pull legs is that two days of the week we're spending our time focusing on strength. We are still going to build muscle on those days, but we're hitting that high intensity. Three days a week – another day for each muscle group pretty much, we are going to be lowering the intensity but rising, raising the volume. 
So now we're actually getting both sides of intensity because there's benefits to going low and moderate intensity, not only from being able to recover fully, but also from being able to push the volume higher, which is a key driver of muscle growth. And then there's a, a lot of benefits, obviously, of going higher intensity with weights. So now we're getting best of both worlds. So when we do this upper, lower push-pull legs, we're literally getting the best of both worlds in so many ways. So I'm a huge fan of that split, especially for muscle growth. When it comes to fat loss, the best training split is the training split that you, the listener, enjoys the most. And the reason I say that is simple. Guys, every training split works. Full body, push-pull legs, upper, lower, upper, lower, push-pull legs. Um, even body part splits can work to an extent. I think they're the least optimal unless you're on steroids. But the point is if you're in the gym and that's what you need to do in order to adhere to the gym, then that's the best choice. And with fat loss, it really comes down to nutrition. And when you get into the nitty-gritty and manipulating some cardio just to burn a little bit extra calories, create a bigger expenditure to get you really lean. So if we consider the best training program or training split, I mean, um, for fat loss – it really, really is. The best one is going to be the one that allows you to feel the best. In my experience, the best ones for most general population fat loss clients is going to be either a full body or an upper lower split. Um, if, if you're somebody who is cutting but most of the time you are very concerned with muscle, then you can stay in that first category I just talked about. Your, your real goal is to look jacked, meaning you should be training to build muscle the whole time. If your goal is strictly weight loss – I would probably suggest a three-day-a-week full body with three days a week of conditioning or metabolic work, um, having one high-intensity interval day, one moderate-intensity day, and then one low-intensity day so you can manage your recovery and your nervous system properly. But the thing is with three days a week is it's not as much strength training. And in general, when you're trying to lose fat, you should probably be uh, trying to build muscle because that's what's going to help you not only burn the most calories, but it's going to create muscle damage, which causes recovery, which causes more caloric burn on a day-to-day basis on your resting metabolic rate, essentially, because you have more muscle tissue on you. So when it comes to fat loss, I'm a bigger fan of that. Um, but it, it really, I do tend to lean towards four days a week of strength and then two days a week of some form of metabolic work. Um, if the person can only get into the gym three days a week, that's a different story. So what I will say for a training split for fat loss is I'm going to recommend four days a week of lifting, two days a week of conditioning. And I think those days can either be upper, lower, upper, lower, or they can all four be full body. And it really depends on what you can adhere to best. When it comes to sports specific or athletic endeavors, I believe that a full body program is always going to be best. Whether you are training three days a week or four days a week or five days a week, two days a week, it doesn't really matter. Those th- That really depends on how often you're on the field or on the court. If you are practicing every single day, you probably don't want to train in the gym four days a week because it might put you in too much fatigue. Or you do go to the gym four or five days a week, but your sessions are monitored very well. You do a little bit of speed work, a little bit of accessory work. You leave the gym feeling fresh on purpose. Uh, But in general, I'm going to go with a full body routine for anybody who's doing sports all the time. Because the issue with this is when we are trying to build muscle, um, the most advantageous way to build muscle is probably going to be a full body or a push-pull legs type of split because it lets us localize muscle damage for a period of time, meaning I can go to the gym and focus on all my pushing muscles and I can create volume, intensity, frequency, and 
metabolite, lactic acid buildup, um, muscle tissue breakdown, the burning feeling, the burning sensation you feel when you do 25 plus reps, that's a thing, right? We're built, we're creating metabolites that are breaking down and that metabolite fatigue, that lactic acid fatigue is actually conducive to building muscle. The problem with full body programs is we kind of leave that out, right? As soon as we start, let's say we're doing a superset that is like a, a reverse lunge and a one arm row. By the fourth set, we are finally feeling our quads kind of pumped up and our lats kind of pumped up from the rows. And then we move on to a RDL, hamstring dominant, and a uh, dumbbell floor press. Completely opposite, right? They're the opposite muscle group, the antagonist muscle group, which is great for burning calories. It's great for movement. It's great for building strength. It's still good for building muscle. Um, But it's also something that's not going to leave you as fatigued because you're not sitting there breaking down the muscle as hard that session, which is good in the case of a sports-specific athlete because they do not want to go to the field feeling debilitated, right? Just feeling demolished and tired and sore. That is not the goal. When you're on the field, you need to feel fresh. You need to be moving. Your joints need to be loose. Um, your, your muscles need to be loose. You need to be flexible. So I always recommend full body. And every athlete I've ever changed, trained, that always works best. When it comes to strength and power, my favorite split is always going to be a push or upper, lower, upper, lower. Um, You're training four days a week, so the majority of your week you are lifting, but you get three days a week to either fully recover, do some low-intensity cardio and mobility, do some high-intensity conditioning. You can choose what you need to do depending on your weak point um, on those days, but it gives you the option to recover more. And when we're trying to build strength, aesthetics go out the window. So if I'm focused on strength and power, I want my two days of upper body training to be focused on like I talked about with Westside earlier, and this is probably why they had the strongest people in the world. I want to focus on max effort strength one day, and I want to focus on dynamic effort, movement quality, um, force, speed, velocity, power, explosiveness. Like Those are the things I want to focus on because they are directly going to supplement my strength training, my strength lifts, um, my compound lifts, um, so on and so forth. So for strength and power, the best training split is always going to be an upper-lower split. Um, You're hitting everything twice, which is going to be conducive for muscle growth. um, But you're also hitting everything twice, which is ideal for strength acquisition. Because when we look at strength, strength is a neurological adaptation. So a big key component of, of it is actually form and skill. Being extremely good and efficient at doing the bench press is good. Right, So sticking with the bench press and focusing on the skill behind the bench press is going to allow your body to actually adapt to the bench press and get really good at it. This is actually somewhat opposite of what we want when we're trying to build muscle. If I'm trying to build muscle, by the time my body starts to really adapt to the barbell incline bench press for 200 pounds at eight reps, let's say, I need to switch that up and do something different to start breaking down the muscle again because it's starting to adapt. That's why change that's why a lot of bodybuilders change things up so frequently strength athletes will stick with a compound lift for six to 12 weeks and just keep progressing on it keep adding weight lower rep add weight lower rep add weight add change break through the plateau add weight lower rep right like they keep going through that periodization with the same movement over and over again because they're training to get good at that movement so it's a little bit different um so i probably would go with an upper lower split i think it allows you to focus more too because if you're doing a full body split, you have too much to focus on. You have every muscle group. Um, it just seems a little bit easier, and that's that's my issue with DUP. Um, DUP is daily undulated periodization. It got really popular for powerlifters, and it does work, and I've ran it, and, and I actually built a lot of muscle on it too. 
where you basically do bench squat and deadlift Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You train three days a week, full body, and you're doing different intensities on each day. So one day is strength focus. Maybe you're doing five by five. One day is speed focus. Maybe you're doing six by three with like 60% of your one rep max, but going for speed. And then one day is hypertrophy focus. You're doing like four sets of eight to nine maybe. This is great. Um, it, you definitely build the skill, but it's boring as hell, um, and you don't get any other enjoyment. Like I just find way more enjoyment, and I think people adhere better to a plan where it's like, hey, we're just focusing on upper body day today. Just focus on that, and you can get a little pumped. You can work on different things, um, so I find that to be a little bit better. The last goal, movement. If movement quality is your number one goal – my my uh, recommendation is probably going to be full body and it's going to be less barbell work. So my it's going to be like a functional bodybuilding style training program. Um, and when I say functional bodybuilding, I actually mean like there's – I mean there's different things out there for functional bodybuilding. To me, functional bodybuilding is building muscle, focusing on, on hypertrophy itself um, through functional movement patterns. Um, so for example, a barbell's back squat, it can be functional because you're going into a squat and that's a very functional movement, but you can make the loading pattern much more functional than putting a bar on your back. How about you do a zercher squat where you're front loaded in your arms, like you're carrying somebody that's much more flexible or functional. So to me, I would, I would tweak a, uh, a full body program with functional loading patterns, um, and I would add a lot of tempos. And so we're going three-second negative, two-second pause at the bottom of a squat hold, things like that. Alternating dumbbell presses versus a barbell bench press. Um, overhead press over a barbell bench press because that's more functional. Lots of body weight stuff, lots of isometric stuff, a lot of core stuff, a lot of unilateral stuff, things like that because that's going to build a functional movement quality that I don't think any other training split would be. And it would probably be for me, I would – literally push people to do four or five days a week of lifting. Um, but because it's going to be more movement based, I don't think your body's going to get as taxed as it would on an upper lower, uh, power lifting split. Um, so for movement quality, that's definitely, um, going to be, going to be my go-to. All right. Next, I want to do, let's start, see if we can get through all these. I want to do my favorite finishers and I want to do my favorite training splits. Um, so let's crank through the finishers. I think I can do that pretty quick. Um, my favorite finishers, and, and guys, just so you know, I, and I haven't recorded the intro, so maybe I already talked about this in the intro, but I am supposed to be on a podcast with Jeff Alberts from 3D Muscle Journey right now. Um, Jeff Alberts got sick, and he had to reschedule. I had an open time block, and I was like, you know what? I'm podcasting, and I heard a Joe DeFranco podcast way back, and he did his favorite finishers, and... That got me thinking like, man, I'll do my favorite finishers. Then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do my favorite training splits too. And I was like, you know what I should do is my favorite exercise for each and every single muscle. So I'm actually going to do all of them hopefully. Um, And obviously you already heard the training splits, but now let's get into the finishers. So my favorite finishers, um, let's do like – so I don't have any favorite finishers for legs because they suck. <laughs> They're just brutal. Uh, but fuck, I'll, I'll give it to you guys anyway. So my favorite finisher for the legs, um, let's go with um, – man, that's tough. What am I going to do? I wonder if you guys can hear that fucking lawnmower out back. Um, my favorite leg finisher – for quads 
this is brutal. This is not fun. So I, I highly suggest it. <laughs> so um, you get back squats, heels elevated. So I prefer not to wear lifting shoes on this because you're going to use the sled on this as well. Um, you go 15 to 20 rep squats. I've only done this once and it sucked that bad. I never did it again actually. Back squats. And you do, I think you put your body weight on the bar is what it was. So you don't have a ton of weight. But you put your body weight on the bar, 15 to 20 reps. Um, as soon as you get done with that, you literally walk over and grab a sled. So you have maybe 30 seconds between this and you drag the sled backwards at a slow march. So you're not trying to get it done quick. You're actually trying to build up the lactic acid in your legs. You walk backwards with the sled, um, loaded up pretty good. So you're walking at it. Like you should be able to move it. Like it shouldn't be a struggle where you have to stop, but, um, it should be heavy enough to where it's only a march. You couldn't sprint away with the sled. As soon as you get done with that, you're going to go probably like 30 to 40 yards with it. And then you go right back to the back squat. Um, and you're going to do this for four to five rounds. This created the biggest pump in my, my quads I've ever felt in my life to the point where like, I f- like they feel like I couldn't really bend my knees because they were like just constantly contracting. Like it was insane. Trying to drive home was just nuts. And I did this to myself. I was alone at the gym. Um, but basically what you're doing is you're doing a back squat. I prefer a closer stance on this. So it's very quad dominant. You're going deep range because you don't have a ton of weight on your back. You're doing your body weight for a squat. That's not a crazy amount for most people. Uh, but you're going full range of motion, so you're getting that big stretch in your quads at the bottom and then immediately going into a very lactic acid-producing and dominant sled drag just to build up that fatigue and that lactic. Oh, my God. It's just horrible. So that was probably my favorite quad finisher. Um, my favorite, um, like, glute hamstring finisher is actually very metabolic. It's kettlebell swings. <laughs> Um, and you do, uh, like basically you just pick a rep and you do it as fast as you can. So we did, I think we started at a hundred and we would add 20 reps per week and we did it for six weeks. So you end up going up pretty high. Um, and you just do it as fast as you can. You break the sets up into 20 and then 15, then 10 and then five. And you're just trying to get it done. And it's just a race o'clock uh, across a race against across. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Race against the time. So, um, that was a really good one. Um, definitely get your heart rate up. And then last but not least, I'm just going to throw the assault bike in there because you can't go wrong cranking on the assault bike, doing some intervals on there for your finisher on your legs. It just merges you. Actually, you know what? Okay. I have to throw this one in too. I put this on a lot of people's programs. The leg matrix is a very under uh, – over. It's, an, it's one you can't underestimate. I'm having a real tough time articulating what I'm trying to say today. So the leg matrix is – it's a body weight finisher. And what you're going to do is – 24 reps of everything. So 24 full range speed squats, quote unquote. So you're going body weight, full range of motion squats. Then you're going to go 24, so 12 per side, reverse alternating lunges. Then you're going to go 24 jump squats. And then you're going to go 24 alternating jumping lunges. So this one is like one of those ones where you do 24 squats, like, okay, no big deal. And then as soon as you get to the lunges, you're just screwed. But that one is, again, for time. You do it as fast as you possibly can, timing yourself, and then you take a two-minute break, and then you do it again for a second round, trying to beat your time, uh, which never happens. But that's a really, really good finisher. For upper body, um, for chest, actually, let's start with triceps because it's the first thing that came to mind. Triceps of death is probably my favorite tricep finisher. It's my favorite arm finisher, period. Um, what this is is you, you need a partner for this. So you have somebody standing behind you. You put – I want to say it starts with four 
No, no, no. I'm sorry. It starts with one board. So one plywood board. You can get like a. You can buy them on EliteFTS.com or Rogue.com, but or you can just make them out of uh, four by fours, pieces of wood or two by fours or whatever. Um, put it on your chest. Somebody's holding it behind you, and you have to do a, a close grip bench press down to the uh, to the piece of wood on your chest, and then all the way up. So it's a it's a tricep dominant bench press as is because you're close grip. You're all all the way down, touching the board all the way back. You do. As many reps as you can, actually, that's a lot. You don't do as many as you can. Usually, you should stop about two to three away from failure. But basically, once you have like two to three more in the tank, you're supposed to tell the guy like drop the drop the board. So he puts a second board. So now it's a little bit less range of motion. So you start going again. Before you have two and three left, you say another, and then he puts another, and you keep going till you have four boards, and you end up doing this very small partial range of motion tricep bench press, um, but total you're getting a ton of volume because you've done like 30 reps by now and in your arms feel like they're going to fall off usually you have to have somebody help you rack it uh when you get to this point um so triceps of death is a great one look that up if you want to build some monster triceps it's honestly one of the best ways to do it it's also a very good way to break through a sticking point on a bench press if you struggle to lock out at the top so that is one i love um for back i'm a big fan of upper back finishers so for me, my favorite one is probably going to be um, – it, it's a giant set. So a giant set is three exercises in a row all targeting the same muscle group. And what you're going to do is you're going to go heavy, dumbbell, chest-supported row. Um, so you're going to be going like 8 to 10 reps, pretty heavy, like to the point of failure almost. Um, so let's say you're using 80-pound dumbbells. You get eight reps with it. You drop those. You immediately grab like 10 to 15-pound dumbbells, and you go into posterior flies on that same chest-supported bench. So now I'm doing flies with light weight, keeping tension in the traps, keeping tensions in the rear delts. Um, when you're doing the chest-supported row, you're keeping that pretty trap dominant anyway because you're just driving your elbows a little bit higher up and outward, um, keeping it all tension in, in the upper back. Then you go to the posterior flies, and then last but not least, after you get done with that, you move straight into a band face pull. So you have a band around a bar. As soon as you get off that bench, you go into that, and you go band face pull-aparts. So as I'm doing the band face pull, I'm actually ripping the band laterally outward as hard and far as I can to create tension laterally, um, and I'm pulling it towards my face. So this is like one of those ones that just destroys your upper back, um, and it's really, really good. Um, I got to add another upper back one that I stole from Joe DeFranco. Um, actually, I didn't steal this from Joe DeFranco. I think he did the mile, the kettlebell mile walk. I don't remember who I got this from, but basically uh, three minutes on, one and a half minutes off kettlebell farmer's walks. Brutal. Grab like 25 to 30-pound dumbbells um, for myself as least, at least is what I do. And you don't need much weight. Really tight grip. Keep your elbows locked, chest tall. Pull your shoulder blades back and up so you're actually activating your traps and rear delts while you walk, and you just walk. Your forearms will be on fire, your traps, your rear delts, your deltoids, everything will be on fire. You hold that for three full minutes. You set them down. You take one to one and a half minutes rest, and then you get back to the farmer's walk for another three minutes. And you can easily do just like three rounds of that, and that's a great finisher. It's a great fat loss finisher and a core finisher as well. But because you're not going that heavy, it's more of a tension-based one for your shoulders and your traps. Um, I don't know if I have any more of my favorite uh, finishers. We've done, uh, you know, German volume push-ups is always really fun and changing the variation every time. We've done that a bunch of times on upper body day where you have 10 sets of 10 push-ups um, and you have to change the variation every single time. 
So I actually have a video on my Instagram. I'll try to link it in the show notes um, where you guys can steal 10 because I have 10 different variations you can do. But that's a really fun way to burn out your chest and triceps at the end of a workout is to do um, some kind of uh, 10 by 10 volume for that muscle group but do it body weight. So it could be TRX rows. It could be body weight squats. It could be um, lunges. It could be push-ups. Like I said, changing the variation every time. Um, those are really, really fun. Could be sit-up variations for your abs, but 10 by 10 is brutal. It's a high volume. Um, you get a hundred reps and it's just fun. It's creative. It's different. It it pushes you. It challenges you. You got to think because you got to create different variations on the fly. Um, and it's just, it's just a fun one. I love that one quite a bit too. Um, and then obviously you, you can't go wrong with sled. So anytime you have sled work, sled work's always fun or doing EDTs where you have a timer, kind of like an AMRAP session, but it's more controlled. So for example, Dumbbell Zotman curls where you curl up and then control down with your forearms, upside down dumbbells, um, and supersetted with uh, TRX rows, supersetted with parallel push-ups. Now you're focusing heavily on your upper body, arms, chest, back. Um, set a timer for eight minutes. Do eight reps of all of them and repeat as many rounds as you can with control. So you're not rushing the reps and going crazy like a normal AMRAP, but you're actually keeping control throughout the movement. That's always a fun way to do the finishers. Um, but I think the top two that I that I said for sure are going to be triceps of death, um, and then I'm going to say the the back squat sled pull is just it's just murderous. And you can do any kind of squat. So maybe you do a kettlebell front squat, you do a goblet squat, any kind of quad dominant squat superseded with the sled is just going to be murderous on your legs. Okay, let's get into. Uh, I'm going to f- crank through these. We're going to do these like a uh, rapid fire. So we're going to start with traps. My, we're going into my favorite exercises per muscle group. So for traps, this is actually not going to be rapid fire. This is going to be tough. Um, it's a tough tie because we have rear delts, I guess I'll say. Because rear delts and traps, you can, it's hard to distinguish between the two. Like if you're doing rear delts, you're likely – like a face pull can be a rear delt exercise, but you're going to fire the shit out of your traps as well. So they're kind of two in combined, so we'll go with those two first. Um, traps, I'm going to say snatch grip barbell shrugs. Doing a snatch grip barbell shrug, being out wide like that actually puts your shoulders in a very good position to fire your traps optimally. Um, you can't overload too much because your grip will give out. Um, and it allows you to uh, control the movement a little bit more. So wide grip, so snatch grip, pronated grip, so hand, palms uh, facing away, uh, to you, so knuckles facing out. Wide grip, snatch grip style, barbell, go heavy enough and do tempo shrugs. Shrug up explosively, so we're getting that fast twitch. Uh, that sh- Traps really do, like, traps are one of those ones that I believe they're mixed muscle fiber, type 2 and type 1, um, type A and type B, where, like, high, high rep, constant tension, shrugs, face pulls, things like that work really, really well to build the traps, but at the same time, you can't deny that they have type one muscle fibers. And, and at the end of the day, they did studies that show that all this is inclusive, uh, is not that inclusive because certain people have more dominance in certain fibers. Therefore, it doesn't matter what muscle, certain types of training are just going to work better for those individuals. But, um, I mean, Olympic lifters or even CrossFitters that are doing tons of cleans and snatches, they're, Traps are usually massive because they're doing those explosive shrugging movements. Um, So I like that snatch grip with an explosive uh, concentric and then actually trying to pause at the top so you can squeeze that muscle. And then at the bottom, you pause again, letting your traps actually 
stretch. So you're actually going to let your, your shoulders almost like protract down and just really hang and get that stretch in your traps. Um, if you're doing dumbbell shrugs or any kind of shrug, let the weight just pull your shoulders down at the bottom and you'll feel that stretch I'm talking about. But the stretch phase is a big key component of muscle growth. So I'm a big fan of snatch grip barbell shrugs or snatch grip high pulls, not doing a full snatch, but just doing high pull. I think that's a really, really good way to build your, build your traps. For rear delts, I'm going to go with, um, I stole this from John Meadows. He called it like a swinging lateral raise. I'm going to call it a chest supported partial range of motion lateral raise. I just filmed a video on this actually for the membership site, but it's, and that's a long ass name, chest supported partial range of motion lateral raises throw a dumbbell in there and it's it's too, it's too much but chest supported so like you're doing a chest supported row um 45 degree incline bench 60 degree at most um basically just that that angle where you're doing like an incline bench press right but you're gonna go chest against it so chest supported um and with this range of motion um, or this exercise specifically i'm not gonna go all the way up and i'm not gonna go all the way down until my so i just talked about like letting your traps uh stretch at the bottom. I'm not going to let my hands come all the way down in front of me and let anything stretch. I'm going to stop while there's still tension there and I'm going to go to the top before my traps take over. So if you look at a posterior fly or a rear delt fly, usually when you get up to that like parallel mark where your hands are pretty out wide in front of you, like you're kind of like spreading your wings, so to speak, when you get to that point and you pull any further back, you're going to end up shrugging or pinching your shoulder blades together, which causes your traps to activate. So when I do this, I'm focusing on that small range of motion, kind of just swinging between there, doing 20 to 30 reps, and I'm not fully locking out at the top because I don't want my traps to take over. I'm bringing the dumbbells away from my midline. So if you think about bringing away from your midline, you're going to stay more in your delt, less in your trap, and I'm just kind of doing a pumping motion in that range. Um, I don't think my video will be released by the time this podcast airs, but I know John Meadows wrote an article on T Nation about building monster delts, and he put the video in there, and it's not public on YouTube. It's unlisted, so you have to go to the T Nation article to find it, um, but just that swinging motion, man, just keeps constant tension. And the deltoids, I mean, anterior, uh, lateral, and rear delts, your shoulders in general actually will grow more by constant tension movements, and you can, I mean... I've been saying this. Uh, a lot of coaches I worked with have saying this. Christian Thibodeau say, says this. Dr. John Russin says this. A lot of very good strength coaches will agree with this. The overhead press, a heavy overhead press is great. You're going to build bolder shoulders, quote unquote. You're going to build strong shoulders. That's going to help you build muscle. But to really enhance the size and the definition of your delts, you want to do higher rep constant tension-based movements. Um, lateral raises for high reps, lateral raises with really slow tempos, cable lateral raises, um, safe versions of the upright row to keep tension in there. Um, these swinging chest-supported lateral raises that I'm talking about that are kind of like rear delt flies, but I'm not letting my traps activate. Um, so a lot of high rep stuff is going to be best. The mid-back. So mid-back being like your rhomboid and your low traps. I'm going to go with a uh, machine, a plate-loaded, so a free weight machine, chest-supported T-bar row. That's where I'm going to put my feet on the thing. My chest is against a pad, and I actually have a bar below me that I have to pull off the hinge and row. Um, and I'm going to do a neutral grip. So if you do a neutral grip on those, usually it's like shoulder width apart, so it's like a wider neutral grip. It's not a close neutral grip. And if you can go heavy on those, you can, again, 
your chest being supported, you can let your shoulders roll forward. When your shoulders go into protraction, everything stretches. You really open up that scapula, and then you can do a two-point row. So you can actually shrug backwards, like retract your scapula while your elbows are locked out, and then complete the row. Fire your up your mid-back just ridiculously. That's like the best way, in my opinion, to feel like subscap rhomboid between your scapula rather than getting your lats or your trap sore, which is pretty easy to do. Getting that rhomboid between your scaps sore is pretty tough. Um, in the neutral grip, chest-supported T-bar row machine with free weight loaded um, is probably going to be my favorite exercise for that without a doubt. Lats. My favorite lat exercise is going to be a TRX jackknife pull-up. And I think that probably surprises people because most people are thinking dumbbell pullovers, heavy rack pulls or uh, deadlifts, um, even regular chin-ups. But the truth is is doing a chin-up is great for your lats, but it's not going to fire them optimally because most of the time it's hard for us to control that movement up, right? We have to kind of swing into it. We have to try to um, get our chin over and we're, we're shaking to get up, up above that bar. We can't create tension and control during a chin-up. It's just difficult. Um, I can for five reps or less, but when you get above five reps, your form starts to slip. Well, with a jackknife chin-up, especially a TRX where I can have the freedom to rotate my shoulders and rotate my wrist where I can open that grip up because some people do better with a neutral grip, a supinated grip, pronated grip. TRX lets you the freedom of your own body decide that. Well, when I have my feet supported on a bench and I can aid myself into it, I can pull my thoracic spine up so I can actually arch my mid-back a little bit, which is going to help the lats fire. I can retract, depress my scapula more. I can get my chest up. I can control the movement. And when you can control a chin-up like you can on a TRX jackknife pull-up or chin-up, your lats will fire so much harder than any other regular chin-up. It's insane. Definitely my go-to. Glutes. I personally don't like the hip thrust, not because it's not a good exercise, because I program it for myself and I program it for clients all the time. It's an excellent exercise. I just don't enjoy it. And because of that, I'm going to go with a reverse hyper, which actually I believe the reverse hyper showed the most muscle activation inside the glutes anyway. Um, so I'm going to go reverse hyper. I think that's a great exercise. It's a great accessory work. That's why Louis Simmons and Westside Barbell made it so popular. Um, again, it, it allows you to activate the glutes most optimally in the, the – I don't remember what those – I can't think of the name off the top of my head, those machines where they put the stems on you and they can actually get electronic readings of muscles firing and signaling. Um, they said that for the glutes, the reverse hyper I believe is one of the top exercises, top three, um, to stimulate the glutes. So I'm going to go with a reverse hyper on that for sure. Hamstrings. I love me a stiff leg deadlift because I think it's great with the stretch. The stretch phase of a stiff leg deadlift is crucial for growing your hamstrings, but I'm going to go with a true glute ham raise. And I'm not talking about the glute ham raises you see a lot of CrossFitters do, nothing against those, um, where you kind of swing into it. I'm talking about a very slow and controlled driving through your knees, not your hips, glute ham raise. Look at a true glute ham raise or go do a Nordic ham raise where your feet are just pinned under a bench. Um, or a bar or something, and you're focused on the negative. So when your knees are pinned against the floor or pinned against the pad on a glute ham raise machine and you're just lowering your body, solely controlling the movement with your hamstrings, and then you have to bring yourself up without using your hands while keeping your hips locked out, there's nothing more brutal than a true Nordic or glute ham raise. Like, look those up. Try a, a Nordic ham raise at the gym next time, or if they have a glute ham raise machine, use one of those. 
look up before you go and actually see what the true good form looks like and try to do that yourself. The first time you do it, you just cramp up. It's hard not to get your calves fired up um, and to keep tension in your hamstrings. I think I did three reps the first time. I worked up to being able to do 30 straight reps and my hamstrings were toast the next day. But um, but at first, it's so hard because you stimulate your, the activation of your hamstrings so much. I don't think there's anything better for getting your hamstrings going than that. Calves, I'm not a big calves guy. So what I would say is for me, I would rather – I mean I guess running stairs isn't it. it. It'll get your calves but it doesn't count. I'm going to go with um, standing – calf raises with a five-second isometric stretch hold at the bottom. Um, And the reason I say that is because the calves work – they're a type of muscle fiber that works really good under loaded stretches um, because our calves are stimulated all day, every day. Every time we take a step, every time we get on our tippy toes, every time we jump, every time we run, every time we sprint, every time we do anything, even squat – our calves actually contract. And that's usually from plantar flexion and it's a concentric movement. Well, very rarely do they get in a, a deep eccentric move uh, range with load because you have to be on your toes. You have to have a, a floor that's lower than where your toes are planted so you can actually get into that dorsiflexion and get into full stretch and then let that muscle stretch completely under load. So I'm a big fan of like five to ten reps, like not very high reps with a heavy load and letting them stretch, like just stretching the shit out of your calves at the bottom of the range. So you can do five reps, but at the bottom of each rep, you're doing a loaded stretch. I think that's the best way to grow your calves because it's different. It's a new stimulus to your calves they're not used to. Quads. My favorite quad exercise. Um, That's tough. I'm going to go with a pistol squat. Um, and it could be body weight or, or with a kettlebell goblet squat, ideally. Um, and having a box to sit to that's just below parallel. I find my quads light up when I do a low pistol squat to a bench and I pause and I sit and I actually have to explosively stand back up. For some reason, that lights up my quads more than squats, split squats, anything. So for quads, I'm going to go with a pistol squat um, to a bench that's lower than parallel. So I actually have to sit pretty low um, and pause on the box. Abs. You know, I'm not a, like a big ab guy for training. Um, I think you can keep abs pretty simple. For me, I actually really like a just a basic cable crunch. Um, I think it's one of the best ways to activate your abs. Um, it's actually been shown to be one of the most productive um, for because you can load it heavy in a safe manner and you can create resistance at every angle. You can actually even create resistance in the stretch phase of the movement. Um, but it allows you to contract. It allows you to control the movement. It allows you to load the movement. Um, you can do it safely. You can do it frequently. You can do it high rep, low rep. Um, so I'm a big fan of cable crunches, um, and just loading the shit out of them for chest, for chest. I'm going to go with, um, as you can see, I didn't think of these before. I just wrote down every muscle, and I'm just going to name them off, which is fine. Um, for chest, I am going to go with uh, – it's hard for me not to think of supersets. When I think of chest, I'm like I like to combine this and this, right? Um, I'm going to go with like a heavy dumbbell bench press. Like I know that's super basic and boring, but I find that if I go like real heavy, like I'm talking like four to six reps, pick up some hundred-something dumbbells and just max out on dumbbell bench press – I feel my chest worked uh, more than anything. And then I can control it a little bit as well. 
Um, but I feel the same way with a barbell bench press, to be honest with you. I feel good with a barbell bench press, too. Um, there's just nothing that replicates a bench press for your chest. I don't think any – if you know how to fire your chest, if you know how to pack your shoulders and work your chest versus your delts on a bench press, there's nothing better than a regular flat bench press. Um, I, I, I truly believe that's probably going to be your best chest builder. Because you can go heavy with it too. You can go heavy with it. You can go light with it. You can do different volumes, intensities. I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I just feel like I want to pick something different because it's so boring. Maybe I'll go with a dumbbell one and a half rep bench press. Yeah, that'll that's what I'll do. Because with the one and a half rep bench press, you lower the weight slowly. You actually go a little bit wider, so you get a stretch in the muscle. Um, I, I'm a big fan of stretch stretching the muscle because it's a big key component of breaking down the muscle and building the muscle. But at the same time, there's a mental component. When I feel that stretch, I feel like I'm doing something good. I feel like I'm working the muscle properly. So I'll go all the way down, get that stretch, come halfway back up, come back down into that stretch, and then explode up on the final concentric. So each rep is almost two reps. It's one and a half reps. So I'm going to go with a dumbbell flat one and a half rep bench press. We already did rear delts. So next we got delts. Um, for, for delts, I'm going to go with a dumbbell seated myrtle, uh, mil- myrtle, military, <laughs> almost said vertical in, in military at the same time, vertical military press. So seated up nice and tall, um, only coming down to 90 degrees and actually trying to go wide with your hands. What they've shown is the wider we go on a dumbbell shoulder press, that lateral range is actually going to stimulate the lateral delts more. And the lateral delts are hard. Usually we stay in the rear delts or the anterior delts. It's hard to build the, the outside, the lateral, the side delts because, and that's what makes that big 3D boulder shoulder. A lot of people struggle to build that muscle. Well, even on a barbell, if you go a little bit wider, you're actually going to stimulate that more. So I'm a big fan of doing seated military presses, stopping at 90 degrees flexion and going back up. So coming wide, knuckles stay flat, controlling the negative. Once you get to like a 90 degree angle of your elbow, you actually pause, keep your chest tall out at that wide angle and then press back up. Um, I'm a big fan of that. And I actually want to say there was a study that showed the seated dumbbell military press built more muscle than the regular military press with a barbell um, or any other shoulder exercise because I think it gets the most um, uh, recruitment of the entire delt, the rear, anterior, side, everything. So I'm a big fan of that. I think that's going to be the best one in my opinion. Biceps. You guys know I love training biceps. My favorite bicep exercise – has to be a incline bench rotational curl. And what I mean by that, so you're setting a, uh, the incline bench so you can get your shoulders in extension. At the bottom of the movement, if your elbows are locked out by your sides in a neutral grip, you can actually even rotate past the neutral grip almost to the point of pronation and your shoulders are in full extension. So you're actually pinching your shoulders blades back into the bench. If you do that right there, you're putting your bicep in the most stretched position they possibly can be because you have to actually be shoulders extended and then hand pronated to get that full stretch in the bicep. So at the bottom, I'm in a neutral, just past neutral grip, shoulders pulled into the bench. As I curl up, I'm doing like a hammer curl. And when I get about halfway up, just past my hip, 
I rotate up into a palms up supinated grip, almost trying to bring my pinky outward towards the lateral side away from my midline at the top of the rep. And I actually let my elbows come forward at the very end to finish that peak contraction because the biceps, to finish the full range of motion to get the bicep fully activated, you actually have to bring your elbow in front of your body. Um, it can't be fully activated when your elbows are behind your body. There's a time and place to do elbows behind the body like drag curls. But for me, I'm going to go with that. So I'm starting in a neutral grip, maybe just past that, getting a full lockout, full stretch in my bicep, shoulders pulled into the bench, shoulders in extension. Without moving any other part of my body, I'm going to do a hammer grip halfway up. Then I'm going to rotate into a supinated grip. As I bring my elbows forward, I'm going to point my pinkies away from my midline. Um, if you follow those directions too, it'll, it'll really, really, you can go lighter and you'll get a really big peak contraction in your biceps. For triceps, I'm going to go with a crossing cable tricep pushdown. And what this one is, is I love this one. It works best with a free motion machine where the cables aren't too wide apart, but you're going to grab just the ball of the cable. So you're not even putting handles on it. You grab just the ball and the cable. The cables are crossing. So you're going to, with your right hand, you're going to grab the left cable. With your left hand, you're going to grab the right cable. You're going to cross them in front of you. Pull your elbows to your side so they're flexed, and all you're going to be doing is flexing or extending your elbow. Nothing else moves. But what you're going to do with this is not only do you push down in front of you like a normal tricep push down, almost like if you had the rope extension in front of you. As you get to the bottom of the movement, you're going to lock out your elbows. Once your elbows are fully locked out, you're going to pull your shoulders back and push your chest forward as much as you can. When you do that, you're bringing your shoulders into hyperextension. You're pulling them back as far as they can. The cool thing about this is a lot of people don't understand the triceps have multiple jobs. The triceps have one job of extending the elbows, so locking out the elbows. Their second job is actually pulling their shoulders into extension. So that's their secondary job. The primary job is obviously elbow extension. That's why that's the dominance of tricep extensions and tricep work. But they also help the shoulders extend backwards. So what you want to do is extend the elbows down and then actually pull your shoulders back. And I promise you, when you do that movement of pulling your shoulders back into extension, your triceps are going to light up like crazy. It's insane how you get a good contraction and then you get a huge contraction when you pull them back. So I love the tricep crossing. Um, I just shot a video for this on my YouTube too. It's private right now because it's only for the members, but maybe I'll make it public so you guys can see it too. But that's a really, really good one. Um, I'm a big fan of that because, again, it does, a, it does a job that most people don't realize the triceps do. It allows the triceps to do both of their jobs, and because of that, you get a better contraction. And that's one of the biggest keys of building a muscle. Um, the last one I got here on the list is going to be the shortest one, forearms. I don't train forearms, but when I do, I do farmer's carries. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show today. A couple quick announcements before I let you go. First and foremost, I just want to encourage you to check out the products I have in the description. First one is the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is a very cheap guide to literally mastering your diet. That's why it's called the All-Inclusive Guide to Mastering Your Diet. It's going to teach you exactly what and how to manage your calories, your macros, your meal timing, your supplements, your micronutrients, literally everything you need to know about dieting and nutrition and how to change your body composition through nutrition is included in this book, not just to get your results, but to actually teach you how to get those results along the way. 
The next thing is gonna be functional muscle, which is my first and right now my biggest product out there. This is the program that is based on years and years and years of functional training with tons of clients. So whether your goal is strength, fat loss, or muscle gain, you should be strength training towards these goals while prioritizing functional movement patterns to make sure that you are avoiding any injuries along the way. That's exactly what this program does and it's great because it guides you through the process, it changes throughout the process, and it gives you demonstrations and explanations about everything you're doing so you never get confused and you always have a solution. You also get access into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum. That is the only way into the forum and that's where you can ask me literally anything about anything and I will help guide you through the process. Last thing I want to mention, guys, is if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic because it literally is one of the biggest and best ways for me to grow in the iTunes charts. Oh, yeah, and real quick, if you're not subscribed, hit the damn subscribe button because I constantly bust out content for you guys, and I spent a lot of time and effort making sure that you guys can get better results for free by simply listening to this podcast. All right, guys, I'll catch you next time.